Welcome to Look Over the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Abdullah, and today I'm joined by Introduce Yourself, Good Sir. Hey, it's Joe Brogy. Is that how you say your last name? Yeah, Brogy. Yeah, that's that's it's a hard G, Brogy. Yeah, I get a lot of Brogies, but it's it's Brogy. That's that's canon right there. <laughs> and have you? I and I got to ask this now. Have you ever gotten your name misspelled? Ooh, yeah. Sometimes I get two E's. That's about it. It's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird last name. So uh, the the weirdest thing I get is B R O G E E. Um, or actually, you know what, you know what I really get a lot lately, especially, uh, in the past, like few years is people think I'm saying Rogan because of Joe, Joe Rogan, you know, his podcast are like, are you Joe Rogan? That's your last name. It's like, no, it's Brogy, Joe Brogy. Um, yeah, I get, I get the Joe Rogan thing a lot. But there is no N. Why, why would people get an N? I think, (laughs) I think people hear Joe and then O. And they just assume their brain just doesn't listen. They're just like, Rogan, Joe Brogan, Joe Rogan. What is your last name? Yeah. I, I mean, because I was just wondering, like, whenever I get uh, a guest on here mm-hmm. who has an, a, a name I can't pronounce, I usually ask, like, how do you say it? Because I am, as, we, as, as I have established, I uh, cannot pronounce last names for the life of me. Well, the interesting thing is it actually my real last name um, was, well, I, whatever, what is real? Um, but they changed it when my like great grandpa came over. He's Swedish and it was Brage, like B-R-A-G-E, but they changed it. I don't know if it was a mistake when they came over, but they changed it to Brogi. So I have a bunch of like Swedish relatives with the last name of Brage, B-R-A-G-E. So all the all the Swedish folk in the house. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so let's just get right into the most boring question imaginable. How did you get started? Oh wow, I've never gotten asked that. Actually, this is the first. No, um, I got started when. Well, you know, uh, like I'm sure you've heard a million times as well. Uh, I, I performed as a little kid. You know, when I was like eight years old. Uh, I started getting into magic. I was, I'm a professional magician as well. So that was kind of like my first like performance art was, was doing magic. And in, uh, I, I always like had a knack for like doing impressions and I loved watching, um, cartoons and, and mimicking voices, you know, kind of being a parrot with whatever I heard, just repeating it. And, um, yeah, got, got really into like, uh, doing doing impressions of cartoon characters and that kind of thing and and meanwhile I was performing I was doing you know plays at school and that kind of a thing and uh when I graduated high school I um geez I'm giving you the full backstory here I uh I I went to school for biology I was I was a biology major in college which I am not using at all any anymore uh but when I graduated college I did magic professionally full-time for eight years um, and then moved to Los Angeles in, in hopes to start my voiceover career because I was just always knew that I wanted to do cartoons. Like I loved cartoons and I wanted to do cartoon voices. And, uh, yeah, I came out to LA about four and a half, four years ago ish and, uh, got an agent, uh, specifically came out to Los Angeles just for voice acting. And I was doing magic, uh, full-time still as well. And kind of paying the bills with that around LA and, you know, started booking work slowly but surely, and 
here we are today. And what's uh, what are some of your favorite voices to mimic? What are my favorite voices? Oh, man. You know, these are kind of cliche, but the, the things that I got started when I was really young, I did like Dexter's Lab. I don't know if you knew that show. It was on Cartoon Network back in the day. Uh, I used to do Dexter when I was a kid. Uh, and then I was into Family Guy. So I did all the Family Guy stuff. And that was kind of like like Family Guy. Uh, anything from like uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, uh, you know, Adult Swim type of cartoons. That that Those were like the, the pioneers for me of of falling in love with animation and, and comedic animation, especially. Um, but yeah, I used to do the, uh, the Peter Griffin, you know, I uh, grew up uh, watching a lot of family guy there and of course, uh, Stewie Griffin as well, you know, a couple of impressions here and there, but, uh, yeah, that, those were, those are the things I started on. That, that was actually a pretty good Stewie. Oh, thanks man. <laughs> Follow me on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, no, but um, it's interesting you you say like Adult Swim. So I'm guessing, like around 2005, <laughs> you were probably like into because what yeah. you're describing is like that's right. You know, 2005, yeah. 2006, and yeah, that, yeah, that I was think that, like, you know, that was the golden age. Go- yeah, 2004, age. 2005, 2006, the golden age. You know, they they were they had like the Brock Show, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, Aqua Teen. Um, yeah, all that. All that. And it was crazy for me because I was a big DBZ fan way like, you know, back. I mean, DBZ has been around forever, but now it's like super mainstream. But I was watching that, you know, in elementary school. And then that kind of came around back on on Toonami and Adult Swim later on. And it was kind of crazy to see that pick back up. And and now now, like everyone knows what Dragon Ball Z is. It That just blows my mind, actually, because when I was in high school, Man, I was like one of like five kids watching DBZ. But I'm also from like a small rural town in Nebraska where they're like, well, I was watching the football game. What are you talking about? D Dragon Dragon Balls. You know, <laughs> nobody was watching anime where I grew up. So uh, how did you like what what was the thing that made you want to get into voiceover specifically? Um, I think it was just a love for performing and and kind of, you know, I think one of the best and worst things you can do for a kid that's a show off is praise him for his annoying uh, habits. And I definitely got praised by my peers for being able to like copy voices and, you know, do my little routines of, of, of the monologues of the cartoons that I watched. And I was kind of known, known around school for, for doing impressions and copying people and doing their voices and stuff. And I think that was like a, a, a positive feedback loop of, of getting me obsessed with performing. Oh, you must've been pretty big in, in the pre YouTube days when people couldn't find clips yeah. of shows. So they have to ask people, ask the guy, Hey, right? can, you, can you redo that family guy bit from last night? 100%. And I was one of the, I was one of the first kids that had like my own laptop too. And like, so I would, you know, we would do like the bit torrent and I would, that, that was before like family guy even, came back on DVD, right? So, because that was the whole reason that they resurfaced. So they got canceled after two or three seasons. And then they had the highest grossing DVD sales of all time uh, and brought it back. But before that, yeah, I was like, I would have some some grainy clip of of the show. And then, yeah, I would copy the voice and do it for kids at school and for sure. Uh, so you so you did all the classic bits from Family Guy then from the first uh, three seasons. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> I memorized. I had all those episodes memorized for sure. 
Who wants to play Drink the Beer? I do. <laughs> what do I win? Another beer. Another beer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, your clock won't flush. Oh, yeah. All that stuff, Oh, man. you must have been, you also must have been doing the, he's a great big phony before that became a meme. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Phony. Wow. That brings back, my, you're, you're blowing my mind with all these throwback family guy stuff, man. <laughs> but you're like triggering, you're triggering memories that I had dormant that I forgot existed. It's like, yes, I remember that. I, I don't, well, I'm kind of an... I mean, I I said this before, but I you know I I occasionally do watch Family Guy before the show. I mean, nowadays it's it's the show everyone makes fun of because ah it's so predictable, blah blah blah. But you know right. what? Like, at, at least Family Guy is one of those shows I can still watch and know what I'm getting as opposed yes. to like other shows. And I kind of find it funny that people get upset about it when. And this is not a defense of like poor writing. I, I do agree that the writing has um, diminished greatly over the years, but the, the Family Guy writers never like intended to write anything other than a stupid fucking cartoon. So, yeah, it's I, I it's know, interesting. I don't like, know why people take it so seriously sometimes? Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I haven't. I, I gotta say, I haven't watched it, and I'm I'm seasoned. I'm years behind on that show now. I kind of stopped watching it, you know, uh, probably about ten years ago. <laughs> to be honest, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was one of the pioneers for what we consider to be, you know, more modern adult animation for sure. You know, um, as far as what uh, there, there's been a lot of copycats, I guess you could say in that style. Um, but, you know, I, I, I it, and I also heard that like Seth MacFarlane isn't even touching the show anymore, right? He just goes in and does the voices. I don't think he's a part of that machine really at all. Oh, from, he hasn't been a part of that, a part of the yeah, team. right. He's been gone from that for Years. for a while. He's making. He's got. He's got his empire. He can sit back and relax and do his his uh, passion projects and stuff. And I, I think I think I was also very inspired by him because he was so young. Wasn't he like twenty five? I think when he sold Family Guy to Fox, something like that. Crazy. Um, and that was always inspiring to me to to see a, a young guy just uh so funny and, and talented and um and kind of creating his own uh, his own empire and genre and and type of of comedy in animation yeah i mean i understand like some of the criticisms but so sometimes people forget that if it wasn't for family guy success networks wouldn't be interested in creating shows for adults because family guy and south park are you know the two biggest shows that showed networks hey there is a market for adult animation right yeah and man also just like looking back at those early seasons even for south park you know how how much more tame it was than, than what it is now the evolution of of how how much more they're able to get away with now is is kind of crazy Oh man, yeah, especially like the early South Parks where a lot of the humor is more dry and there wasn't a lot of gore and and and, and all the you know and all the weird yeah. stuff that was that's prevalent in in newer seasons. And I think that's because like the show just became so popular that the com the Comedy Central is like, "Hey, you can do whatever the fuck you want. We don't care anymore." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, you know, they they've been a cash cow for forever now and it's like, well, it's South Park. You can, it's South Park. Like, how, how are you going to get offended by it? It's South Park. It, that, that's how it's been from day one, you know? 
and it's just evolved um, from, you know, I don't know. It's one of those shows that you expect it to be controversial, right? Like that was kind of the whole point of it, I think. And honestly, like I, I stopped watching it not because it was controversial. I stopped watching it because I felt that they were trying too hard to stay relevant and and mm. on topic on certain issues. And I'm just like, yeah, you guys are kind of like trying to, way too hard to be like the first show that <laughs> says something about this this current thing everyone's talking about because because right. uh the because it only takes them like about a week to 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 create an entire to finish an episode so they can yeah you know the six days to air i think it was that's what it was called right that documentary six days to air it was incredible i i go back and watch that uh every few years have you seen that yeah yeah it is it is amazing and i think that's yeah like i can talk shit about the quality of the show all I want, but the fact that they're able to get an entire 22 minute episode done in like a week. Oh, it's is insane. Just so insane. <laughs> it's insane. It's like, and, and you, it, the, the stress with, with those guys is just like, uh, you know, I can't imagine being a, a procrastinator to myself, you know, you have, you have six days to do this, thing i think that would be the only way i could make a show to be honest as well like i would need a deadline that short because i'm gonna nitpick at everything um that i'm writing or 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 trying to make jokes about and you just at the end of the day you have to produce something which i think is really cool that that like it's interesting that that's the system that has kind of morphed into it's like well this is just this is just how how this has evolved now we have six days to to completely pull pull an idea from from scratch and and make a show out of it and put it on tv for millions of people to watch and most of their ideas are just like hey they did an entire episode based around facebook because i shit you not because because um uh trey parker was you know got a bunch of messages on from people on facebook saying oh i love your show and blah 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 and and that was his inspiration for that episode is just like random people messaging messaging him on facebook Really, and him being just weirded out by the whole thing, and he's like, "Well, what if there's an episode where, <laughs> where people, uh, where people uh, thought about uh, Facebook friends as like this huge deal when it really isn't?" Right. Okay. Yeah. Man, I didn't even know that. That's that's crazy. That's funny. It yeah, makes sense yeah, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how we. Uh, you, that's how you uh, you know you come up with these ideas just just from real things. That's the best stories of things that are actually happening to people and and to you. Yeah, and and especially when it comes to like having a short deadline, you kind of, you know, observ- observational humor is like the easiest thing to do. And you have a de- you know, when you have a short deadline, you can just like rip something from the headlines and say, oh well, people are talking about this. How can we make fun of it? Absolutely, absolutely. How how did you, by the way, just curious, how get get kind of into um, animation and and voiceover or interested in that world? Um, I grew up. Um... Because God, I've, I've told the story many times, but uh, <laughs> I never get tired of telling it. Um, yeah, I grew up in you know Kuwait during the you know after the Gulf War. There was this huge movement of you know we want we're so infatuated with American culture, we got to get all these American shows imported, mm. and we got all these like you know we got all these classic cartoons like Dexter's Lab, Johnny Bravo, mm-hmm. Powerpuff Girls, you know in the late 90, you know early, you know mid to late 90s we got we got those shows because we were just so infatuated with like, you know, American culture back, you know, back then. And mm-hmm. 
we got them like completely raw. Like they were n- not subtitled, not oh, dubbed wow. in English. And that was yeah, kind just... of like my introduction to the English language, which was like, what are these what are these things and why can't I stop watching, you know, these mm. moving, moving pictures. And, um, that's how I kind of learned English is by, you know, watching, you know, these cartoons. Wow. That's incredible. That's so but, cool. But I mean, <laughs> I say kind of, because I also went to an English school. So. Okay. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, but, but you're not going to have the same, like maybe colloquialisms that you would learn at school that you would watch watching American television, you know? Yeah, because uh, it wasn't until, like, years later did I grow up, at, when, I grew, when I got older, I realized, oh, there's a difference between how shows aimed at adults ha- have their dialogue written and shows aimed at really young children have their dialogue written. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, because you watch, like, kids' shows nowadays, and you kind of notice it. You kind of notice it more. Everyone has that... PG way of talking when it comes oh, to kids fact, shows. You know, I just finished up a a, Nickel- a new Nickelodeon. Or it's a Nick Junior show, um, and we did we did ten episodes, and you know we'd go back and do pickups and uh, ADR stuff on lines that maybe the producers, the network, were like, "Hey, um, yeah, this uh, this line could you, could you do say it a little less mean?" Cause it kind of sounds like maybe there could be a, a hint of meanness in it. And it'd be like, the line would be like, man, something stinks in here. And they'd be like, can you make it sound a little friendlier? And it's like, wow, something stinks in here. You know, it's like they, with these like Nick Jr. shows, like everything has to be nice, very nice, you know? And those, that that's like, this is my first time working on a, on a, on a Nick Jr. Uh, show. And it's just interesting the the notes from the producers you know the things that they pick up on that i wouldn't have maybe picked up on and and what their standards are for those for those networks now i remember um wolverine and the x-men on the audio commentary um one of the writers said they had to change a line which was um scarlet scarlet witch telling um telling uh calling uh, Mo- mojo fat and mm-hmm. they got a note from the producers uh, from the network saying you can't call call him fat because <laughs> that's too mean so they right. changed it to ugly which is gotcha. weird because it's like you're okay yeah. with calling someone ugly but you're not okay with calling them fat right 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 yeah that's interesting definitely interesting i mean it makes sense from a critic's point of view because that's like maybe a little less body shaming and a little more of a general uh <laughs> Uh, insult, I guess. That's probably how they dodged their way around that type of thing. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I really like, I really like working in the younger, um, the younger shows because I think it's kind of its own challenge, you know, for the, the younger generation shows where you do have to have this standard because you, you have to act within this box, but sometimes that can be a fun challenge too. Like, how do we, how do I still make this like fun? And like, how do I make these lines pop for an adult as well and kind of like you know i don't know put put the right type of of subtle emotion in there that is good for all audiences while keeping it uh you know in 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 this in this nick jr box of niceness it's tough man it really is because i mean, I don't watch 
obviously I don't watch these types of shows because right. again, I'm not, you know, I'm a 31 year old man for God's sakes. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. you know, watch, watch these types of shows, but and it's interesting. Because I, I never used to, but now that I'm working in those, now that I'm working in those fields and, and, and auditioning for a lot more and, you know, doing this, this Nickelodeon show, I've found myself waking up and putting on kid shows more in fact now than I would, that, that was another thing I was going to p- pick up on is that I, I really don't watch as much animation anymore, unfortunately. And I don't know if it's because I'm like just auditioning all the time and, and which is, which is by the way, not good because you should always be seeing what's relevant and, and what's on TV. You know, you need to be watching what you're trying to work on and seeing, you know, what, what's the voice for this type of network? What, you know, what kind of acting, what kind of subtle humor are they doing? What kind of, actors are they hiring for these shows and and staying up to date with that. But because I've been doing more kid stuff, I've found myself watching things like Paw Patrol and, you know, um, bubble guppies and, and, and baby shark. And it's like, how do these shows operate? Because they're their own formulas and um, it's its own skill set when auditioning for these things and, and trying to get hired. Yeah, obviously. Cause you kind of need to, because I've asked this before, but um, you know, do you, do you, do people watch any of any shows that that they're on? And sometimes, and a lot of times, people just tell me no, they don't because they don't like hearing themselves because they're very critical of um, <laughs> of their performance. And I'm wondering, like, do you have that problem? I do. I do have it. I I will watch it just out of, you know, curiosity because you don't know how these shows are going to look, you know, when you're looking at a piece of paper, you can only imagine. So I definitely, I definitely watch them, but I definitely have cringy moments and I'm like, why did they choose that take of all the takes? We did that. We worked on this bit for 45 minutes. I know I gave a better thing than that, but it comes, it doesn't, you know, it's ultimately not my decision. And and also, I don't think you're your best judge um, all the time. You can you do your best job to self-direct when you're auditioning and stuff. And and, you know, but at the end of the day, I, I get that. I get that that sense of, ooh, I don't want to watch myself because I find it cringy. And there are some things that I can't watch of myself. I, for instance, um, I, I did a, this video game called Fire Emblem Three Houses, and it was honestly one of the first games that I had done dubbing for because it's a Japanese game and you can tell especially like in the earlier sessions how green I was um at at reading these scripts and it was the first time I had done some bigger video games where you're given your scripts beforehand and stuff but with with Japanese video games a lot of the times they're and and with a lot of video games especially if you're recording for like NPCs and stuff like that you're not given your lines until literally they're right in front of you and you're giving your first take. So there that's, that's its own skill set as well. So people that do, you know, anime dubs and stuff, I, I give them a lot of credit because it's not an easy job to just be given a, a piece of paper cold and making those words come to life without having any, you know, you're given like the, maybe the paragraph of context from the director beforehand. But like, for me, like I wouldn't even consider myself a strong reader so I like to look at my lines a lot and, and make sure that my muscle memory in my mouth is saying it right because otherwise I'll flub. So that's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for, for, the, for that dubbing world, for sure. But going back to the other thing, I get it. Cringe is a real feeling when, uh, when watching yourself. And 
in some projects, I do avoid watching them. I think there are only like three people I've had on this show who who actually watch <laughs> watch their own work, and I'm kind of like, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, only uh. only three people, and it's not a lot because it's just I understand it because it's like I. I I remember saying this before, but I one one day I got bored and I was rereading a lot of old scripts I wrote, and I'm like, these are terrible. What was mm. I thinking writing this? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And 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 you know, we're always constantly growing, hopefully. And I guess you can look back and like with the more recent stuff that I've been working on it's very clear to me how, how I've progressed as an actor and stuff and just in confidence in general um, compared to stuff that I was on even a few years ago. Um, and I think, I think a lot of that, yeah, it just does come down to confidence in the booth because it can be a lot of pressure, you know, especially when it's your first time maybe wearing like mocap headgear and you've got, you're not just doing voiceover, you're, you're doing performance capture and you've got the big helmet on and with a camera in your face and you got, you know, six people on screens watching you. And then they're like, Hey, deliver this line really naturally. Like you would, if you were not in this booth with a, with a, with a helmet and a camera sticking in your face. Um, but the, you know, the, the more you do that, the more you, you get confident with it and your brain kind of ignores those things and you can deliver a more natural performance. You know, I've had people who've done mocap on the show and it's hard, man. Cause you're, 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 you're asked to act, but you know, you're wearing, you know, a, a suit that makes you look like a Christmas tree, you know, and mm, it's, mm -hmm. and it's really hard to keep a straight face, you know, doing these emotional scenes while you have all these cameras on your face and, you know, the lighting and just like mad respect for the people who can do that. <laughs> mad Absolutely. respect to to Nolan North for doing all the uncharted games like that. Like, I, Oh man, honestly, I can't, I can't imagine doing that. It's, it's so cool. It's the, yeah. And that's, that's, that's like a dream for me, you know, doing a project like that. And there, I'd say, I'd say you, you're, you're absolutely correct. But then there's something, I think there's something that clicks in your brain, you know, at the end of the day, it's acting and pretending and, you can phase out these things. And and in those types of games, you know, uh, unfor I mean, at this point, for the video games that I've worked on in, in motion capture, I've been performing solo and I haven't gotten to interact with other people. But that was such like a fun element that that can heighten the performance because, you know, typically when we're doing video games, we're reading off of either either a pre-recorded thing that we hopefully will get to hear another person's uh, pre-recorded track that we can act off of, but usually it's nothing. Usually it's the director just giving you the line, you know, kind of half acted and then, and then you go. And, you know, that's the, that's the director's talents is, is being able to take individually recorded material and piece it together in a believable story. And I think that's, it's pretty cool. Um, and, and also I, I very, intimidating of a project i think to or to be a part of that part of the project of making sure everything flows together and seems like a you know a a, a solid story without just uh you know you've got a hundred different people recording at different times and piecing it together and how do you make that sound believable and real and what's the most challenging thing you've ever done um i think i think like 
That's an interesting question. Sometimes I've been asked when I'm when I'm doing like one-off video games and I've already done like three voices and they're like, hey, we need you to do this. This, For instance, I did a, a video game recently where I was a prison guard, but I'd already done like one in my regular voice and one like a, a, high, a little higher register where I was like maybe a younger kind of person like this, you know, uh, and they're all grounded performances, but then they needed one that was like a little bit lower like this and and which is fine and I can do that. Um, but then there was a lot of efforts and I'm sure, you know, efforts is, is, you know, when you're screaming and, and dying and what, and whatnot, and to do efforts in that gruff voice, actually, like I wasn't warmed up and it killed me and I wasn't, and this is not a good thing in video games. I wasn't able to get through the rest of, there was only, there was probably only 10 efforts left, but I lost my voice during the session because I was screaming at at, in a, in a register that wasn't natural for me and I wasn't warmed up enough. And, uh, I remember just like swallowing and like tasting like blood in the back of my mouth from screaming so much in this unnatural register. And that was kind of crappy because we had to end the session early. And also I'm like, God, did I hurt myself? Like, this is dangerous. This is my career. I can't be doing things like this, you know? So once in a while there's challenges like that, but you just have to, you have to know your own limits also. And that was probably a little bit of my my mistake of going too hard on something that wasn't natural for me. Yeah, I mean it's 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 okay to push yourself, but you kind of need to know your breaking point. Absolutely, absolutely, and that and that also I was a bit more green when that happened too. So I was kind of like, I need these guys to think I'm great. I'm gonna go, you know, full force, bring it to eleven, and yeah, and you, you know everybody has their has their limits. I mean, you're not the first person I've talked to who's gone in to do like screams and come back the next day with their voice gone. I mean, it's happened to oh yeah to many people, and it's because and that's something have, that because people have this misconception of oh well, you know, it, it, it's fine, I can handle it, but you really can't because they want they want you at at a million percent. Yes, one hundred percent, and one hundred one hundred percent correct about the million percent thing. Uh, it's kind of like um. That's something I think about a lot, like when I get uh, some copy for an audition from my agency and they, they, my agency knows me very well. So they usually don't give me things that aren't right for me. You know, I typically play teens to to thirties and not much different than that. Unless I'm doing like, you know, some crazy whimsical show where it's like, I'm an old wizard and, and I can like kind of do something a little bit more insane, more character but when I see these, you know, specs for like, okay, this is like a 40 year old gruff male um, voice, uh, you know, barking type soldier. It's like, I won't read for that because if, if I'm like putting something on, I want, if I can't sustain it for four hours, why would I do that? You know, because I look bad <laughs> having to quit after an hour and a half of like, my voice is fried. I'm sorry. Like, even if I was to do a great job in my audition, if I can't keep that up for four hours, and then turn that into you know weeks of work like it's it's a waste so yeah i mean you kind of need to to pace yourself you don't yeah you have to know your wheelhouse for sure i mean don't take i mean one of the first episodes i recorded like someone gave this great advice of don't do anything that hurts you know and don't do a voice that you can't replicate for 20 plus episodes absolutely yep that's it right there Man, and that and that can be frustrating, you know. Um, I, I, you know, our job we we audition basically every day, and and some sometimes there's things that you really want. And I, I do a lot of voice matching 
and things, um, you know, where you need to get the voice just right. And it has to sound like a, pro, uh, a previous actor's voice. And, you know, sometimes you get, you get it and you're like, Oh man, this sounds great. I'm, and you're reading the lines and you're like, and you finish after, you know, your, your fourth page of lines and you listen back and then the voice slowly changes. It sounds great at the first, you know, two pages of lines. And then the, at the end, you're like, Oh man, it's different now. You know, it started strong and then, and then ended. So then I'll have to go back and re-record the, the second, you know, two pages of lines, how I did it in the first time. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Have you it's ever a crazy, been... crazy world <laughs> that I, that we work in. Have you ever voice matched anybody in particular? I have. I did. I got to scratch our uh, audio for one of the main characters of a Marvel movie. Let me just say that there. <laughs> now, that's more, that's more, uh, that's more uh, safe for me to say. I don't think, I don't think uh, Sony or anybody's going to come yell at me, but. It's okay, Joey. Sony can't yeah. hurt you anymore. Oh God. Oh God. Canceled. <laughs> no, I, I asked because um, my buddy uh, Ben Pronsky does all the additional ADR for the Marvel movies. So I'm kind of wondering if that's the case, but he usually yep. does, he usually does um, ADR for the cops and, and other, you know, background stuff that uh, right. you have to have a really keen ear for to catch. But he's for like, sure. Um, he's in one of my, all, but he's in most of those movies, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, it's so cool. Um, one of my good friends, Shelby Young, um, does a lot of that. They, you know, they work in like loop groups um, for these movies, like doing the background things and, and ADR and stuff. And you'd never know, but that's part of the magic, you know. They they record all the background noises and stuff from scratch, like, and they have people in there for hours just recording background noises and conversations, or like, yeah, like a what from like some random officer or, or school teacher or or whatever it is, you know. And I think that's so cool. Like, I, I guess your brain doesn't think when you're watching a movie, you don't think that all these sounds, all these like in this restaurant, you know, these people are in a restaurant. They had to have ambience and, and conversations recorded for that. And there's a team of people probably in their pajamas circling around in some loop group doing Walla. Uh, and it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Because I recently watched um, Spider-Man far from home and, <laughs> and I just, I just kind of noticed like, cause I rewatched it again, just to try to find like, <laughs> I may or may not have worked on that one actually. <laughs> Oh, um, I cannot confirm nor deny if I worked on that movie doing exactly what we're talking about. Well, I mean, that's that's what, not what it says on your IMDb, but maybe that. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, I don't know. I can't say anything. <laughs> I've definitely heard myself. So all I'm going to say. Uh, um, but no, I mean, it's interesting because, again, that's another facet of voiceover that people don't really talk about, but it's, but it's there. It exists and they kind oh, of, and people, people to, yeah, to come absolutely. In and, and do it. And the people that do it all the time, it's a great, that's can be a career on its own. Like the people that are doing loop group stuff and, and Walla stuff. Some, there's some people that's what they do. They're just in loop groups and they're getting paid, you know, they're getting paid SAG rates to be, essentially background voices in these shows, but you can make a killing a, a killer career just doing that. Oh yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to a lot of shows like uh, family guy or Bob's burgers or what have you that usually cast celebrities in the main roles. 
that right. they usually need someone to do additional voices and they get voice VO people to do additional voices or care or one-off characters. Yep. So absolutely. So I remember so I, I did uh, I did this show called uh, Carol's Second Act. It was just some. It was just, I uh, see. I, mean, I can't even remember the network that it was on, but I, I did. I was some heckler, and I went in um, to to. I think it was at Warner Brothers, and you know, I literally said one line. And I was in there for, I was in there for four minutes. I said, I think I said, no one knows what you're talking about. That was my line. And I did it four times. I'm like, hey, thank you so much. And I literally just got a check for doing that line uh, a few weeks ago. And I think it was like, I think it was like 10 bucks or something. But it's just like, oh yeah, I remember when I did that. I said one line for a thing. It's, it's so, it's so funny. It's so interesting that, you know, they, they would cast for something so little, you know, when you'd think you could have a producer or, or one of the writers or something come in and, and just do it. But no, they do a whole casting process just for something like that. No, I remember someone on Facebook back when I used to go on Facebook posting a video of them doing like ADR for American Dad, where it was a scene where uh, a crowd was angry. An angry mob was like throwing food at, at Stan and Haley. And they showed, you know, they showed the, the clip and they're just like yell out you know, a bunch of stuff on what's written down on the paper and go. And it's right. really, really weird seeing like yeah. seeing that in, you know, seeing someone do that, but it exists. You get paid for it. Exactly. That's somebody's job. <laughs> so weird. I pinch myself a lot. Like, like when I have like a weird session or, or got, to, got to work on something, even if it's just like a minor thing, it's like, man, this is like, this is a weird life. It's kind of a weird job, you know, going into a booth and, and saying like one line and be like, ah, oh, thanks. Thanks for coming in. It's like, what a weird, what a weird job I have. <laughs> I'm here for it though, man. I'm, that's why I came out here. You know, it's like, it's awesome. It's what I love to do. Well, I mean, and honestly, like if you want to, if you want a sustainable career in voiceover, you kind of need to do a lot of things. You can't just stick to one thing. Absolutely. You know, you have your bread and butter uh, voices, the things that, that you tip, like I, I always tell people my, for whatever reason, the things that I get casted in or, or callbacks for, for whatever reason, I, I voice inanim inanimate objects that have a personality for whatever reason, that seems to be one of my fortes. <laughs> and, the, and those are the things that I get called in for is like, we need you to voice this talking notebook. And it's like, okay, I can do that. I can be a talking notebook for you. And it's just, it's just interesting, like the things that, that you kind of wind up doing a lot of and getting in hired for, but also, yes, you need to be able to, you know, be able to do that, like that uh, restaurant read, you know, for McDonald's and be able to sell a hamburger you know, or, or, uh, you know, if, if it's like a, if it's like a, a promo ad, which by the way, I don't book. Unfortunately, I never book promo stuff like coming up on Disney <laughs> up next on Disney plus, you know, there's, there's that kind of thing. And, and that's some people, I, I know a couple of people that that's what they do. That is their forte. They do, they are a promo person and they're so good at it, you know? Um, but you know, you know, your you know, your niche that you get hired for a lot, but yeah, you definitely need to be able to expand and, and, uh, kind of, wear a lot of pants, I guess. 
Is that the word? Wear a lot of hats, I guess. That's the metaphor. <laughs> Whatever it is. Wear, you have to wear a lot of articles of clothing. <laughs> wear a lot of pants. <laughs> pants. It's not. It's hats. How did I mess that up? <laughs> um, you also um, you also did, I did not even know this until recently, but you also did a Donatello on Injustice 2. So I did. Like, <laughs> that must have been pretty cool. That was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. Absolutely. And that was mocap as well. So not only was I the voice, I was the face of Donatello as well. All the facial uh, movements and stuff. Uh, Yeah, that's still something I look back on. I'm like, that was real? I got to do that? I got to be Donatello? Because I I mean, I'm I'm a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Like, like. I go go back to my childhood watching the first movie over and over in my room. In fact, we had a broken VHS of it, so I could only watch it like the first 25 minutes before it went and it was over. But I would watch those first 25 minutes, man, over and over and over. So when I got that call, that was one of those, wait, what? What? Is this real? You know, so cool. And you're the first Donatello I've had on this show, so that's pretty cool. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, and honestly, they did a great job. I don't know if you've seen the the clips of or or the the CGI of how they animated those guys, but I think it's the best the turtles have looked in a really long time because they kind of used the original models of them from the movies. They looked incredible. Warner Brothers did a great job on them, so that's another like that was another exciting kind of thing about it is like getting to be you know you know how the tmnt fans are like there's kind of sticklers about like the art when new art comes out and the new thing comes out everyone's like oh they don't look like how they should look and this was one time that i think all the fans agreed like man the turtles look good in this and there's a lot of people myself included it's like let's get a spin-off let's get warner brothers to do a spin-off as you know with these designs and that was that was super fun man well, I mean, it depends on what Nickelodeon wants to do with the property. They yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, Nickelodeon's got its own thing, you know, and and those are fun shows. Uh, I think Rob Polson is doing a great job. I think he he's he's directing those. He directed the new spinoff. I'm not sure. I haven't been up to date on on where that's at at this point. But oh, that ended. Unfortunately, that got canceled. Did it? Did it? Yeah. Uh, it was fun though. It was like a, an, an interesting reinvention of it. You know, having them all be different. Um, it, I, I'm just happy that this franchise is alive and thriving, and and that all the nerds that were kids when I was a kid are now working on these shows and creating them uh, to be what we wanted them to be and. You know, it's pretty cool. Now I'm a huge TMNT fan, and I can sit here for hours and talk about <laughs> talk mm. about how you know, like Casey Jones was my guy when I was a kid. I would dress up as Casey Jones like literally every day. I was a big costumes guy. My mom was a, a theater teacher, and she would make me costumes. And one of the things she would make me this paper because I never I didn't have a real hockey mask till like I was in middle school. But she'd make me paper hockey masks, and I'd wear that around with like with this cloth um, golf caddy that I'd wear on my back. And I was just Casey Jones everywhere I went. Uh. It's funny because there are two types of people, people who only grew up watching the eighties cartoon don't care about Casey Jones. He was a non-character in that series. But if you're someone like me who grew up in the nineties and you watched the first movie, 
right. Casey Jones was the coolest thing about oh, that. Yeah, one of dude, the coolest things. He was. Yeah. Oh, Jose Canseco bat. Tell me you didn't pay money for this. Dude, so good, man. <laughs> uh, that scene with him and Raph, you know, like, cricket, you got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. And then he's like, I'll teach you in this whoop Whips him into the into the trash can, man. Just iconic. Love that. Oh man, so good. especially the ending where you know he crushes Shredder. In the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, so good, so good. I I always like people ask me like, who was your favorite Ninja Turtle? You know, and and the, the truth is, I loved all the turtles pretty much equally. But I mean, Donatello was. I liked Michelangelo and Donatello for sure because I don't know, I liked his bow staff and. He was like the smart one, um, but really the the true answer of the TMNT franchise, Casey Jones was my dude through all of it. <laughs> I'm still to this day, day. I'm still to this day disappointed we never got a miniseries, an animated miniseries focusing on the adventures of Raph and and Casey. Oh, that would have been so cool! That would have been so cool! Oh my gosh, <laughs> it, it'll happen. I I I I believe it'll happen someday. <laughs> Because he's just such a such a really cool character, and you know many reinventions over the years, and it's still going strong. It just goes to show you, yeah. that people still. There love is talk franchise. of another one coming out, right? A new live action. I can't remember. I thought was that. I don't uh, know anymore. <laughs> just sworn I heard something about something like that coming out. Maybe I'm crazy. You know what I thought was was really good was TMNT though the t- 2007 um, movie. I thought that was a great job, and the casting was amazing. You know, you had oh, Nolan. Oh God, that that makes me sad. That James Arnold Taylor sad. and uh, man, they did a great job with that movie. Ah, uh, that movie makes me sad now. Now that I know that the story was originally, um, uh, Nika Futterman did the voice of April in that, but she got replaced because they wanted a celebrity, and they replaced her with like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I listened to an interview with her recently, and she says, like, that's... I, I spent half my life working on that movie, and then I got replaced by Sarah Michelle Gellar because they wanted a celebrity. Oh, man. And and for compensation, if you go back and watch the credits, she gets a special thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Wow, yeah. that's, that's unfortunately... <laughs> that's the world we live in. I mean, honestly, something like that recently happened to me. I did a... I can't say much about it, but I recorded 10 spots of this really great campaign. Um, and I was so excited about it. I, I was opposite of this uh, this big comedian and we got to improv and we did all these things and, and everyone loved it. Like the the producers and stuff, everything was really happy. Everyone was really happy about it. And then I got a call, you know, a few months later and they're like, oh, unfortunately, we had to replace the you for the voice of this thing. And they're like, we loved you and hopefully we can work with you something in the future, but it wasn't right for where we, we changed the animation style and we wound up having to do a different voice, go with a different voice. And I'm just thinking, well, that's, it was a huge blow up. But at the same time, you know, you get that anger. You're like, you know, I'm a, I can do other voices. You, you're hiring a voice actor for a reason. Like, you know, I can, I could have probably done what you wanted to do, but you know, it's not up to you at the end of the day. And, and, and it could be one person's decision that's high up and that, you know, they want it to be a certain thing or, or they had this idea of the voice sounding a little bit different and they want to have this person do it. And it's just like, it's such, it's so fickle of a, 
of an industry and it sucks. And sometimes you get heartbroken. I mean, I think it's because like, if you were doing it with a famous comedian, they probably thought, Oh, we need another comedian to, to play. Yeah. And exactly. And that's the other thing is like, who knows, you know, because they don't tell you the reasons. And, and those are one of the things that like, man, you'll lose sleep thinking about it. It's like, well, maybe I'm not famous enough. Like, I mean, you know, yeah, I need to, I need to do on camera so I can have a relevant name so that things like this don't happen if they're trying to get a celebrity. And it's like, I mean, it's so out of your control. And I think that's one of the hardest things about being an actor is you're, you're a small piece of the puzzle and you are replaceable, (laughs) you know? It's, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's what's scary about it is that they can replace you for whatever reason they, they see fit and there's nothing nothing you can do about it. And that makes me sad because somewhere out there, all the work you've done is sitting on a hard drive that's never going to be seen. Yes, 100%. And in this case, it's on my, my hard drive because I recorded it remotely. <laughs> and I had to record all the back end, but, you know, it's like... Those 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 other things that I that I I'm very vigilant about is like taking old things that I've recorded that I've been really passionate about, whether like for auditions and stuff, like things that like man, this would be life changing for me if I got this role, and I I would hang on to those auditions, you know, after I sent them sent them in, I'm like I did such a great job, I know this is going to be the one, I'm going to hang on to this, but you have to let those go. Everything you record for. You, you can't, as hard as it is, you have to get rid of those things and move on and, and keep them out of your brain. It's like, you know, what's next? What's the next week have for me? I can't, I can't just be, you know, just obsessed about, am I going to get this one role that I want so badly? Like, and it's easy to kind of obsess, um, for me at least. And that's something that I've worked on a lot in the last, you know, few years is just kind of recording and forgetting about what I recorded today and just moving on. Well, you have to. Otherwise, if you get too attached, you'll get really depressed about it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, you know, it just comes with the territory of the work, you know, it's high highs and low lows for sure. Um, unfortunately, but the high highs are worth it, man, <laughs> for me. Like, and also the other thing is, I think it's really important to like, you have to, you have to look back to see where you, where you've come because it's easy to like, kind of think, you know, you, you get casted in this new thing and, and you're working on this and quickly that becomes your new normal. And you, you, it, you need to like step back and look to, where, where were you 10 years ago in this? You know, you probably would be really impressed with yourself and give yourself like want to strive to be where you are now. And, and you forget those things. Yeah. You kind of need to keep moving forward. You can't, you know, it's perspective, you know, yeah. it's perspective, but like, I'm just as guilty. Like I'm, 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 just as guilty as as the next person of thinking those things and kind of having those negative thoughts and like oh man i'm not i'm i'm just coasting right now i'm not doing I'm not climbing or anything like that but it's like now you you have you've you you weren't even living in la 5 years ago you know it's like relax you're doing fine keep climbing and and you've done like you know hey you you got to play donatello in something and i mean that's not <laughs> For sure, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so cool. Like I, I'm, I feel incredibly lucky. And uh, yeah, absolutely. It's that. That's like one of those. That's like one of those dream, dream jobs that you're like, man, this is worth it. This is why you work on these things and you spend all the money at the beginning, getting equipment and taking classes and making demos and 
you know, trying to find agents and stuff. It's when those things happen. It's like, yes, it was worth it. Same, same thing with Fire Emblem. I mean, that game has a huge fan base and they probably still ask you to this day to do voice lines from that character. Oh man, that was, that was an industry that I knew nothing about, uh, or a franchise, excuse me, that I knew nothing about before I recorded it. And, you know, when I, when I announced that, I was the voice of Sylvain. Like I remember going to the rap party even and everyone like, cause I didn't know what fire emblem was to be completely honest. I, I think I had heard about it from smash brothers, right? Because in smash bros, like there's some fire emblem characters. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's all I knew about it. So when uh, I went to this rap party, like all these people, you know, that, that knew about the franchise are like, can you believe it? Like, this is so exciting that we get to be a part of this. I'm like, yeah, cool. I, I, I suppose so. I'm like, what, what are they talking about? Like, I, I don't even know what we worked on. I have no idea what we worked on. And then when we released, you know, when all the names came out uh, uh, for casting and stuff, like my, my social media blew up and I was not prepared for that. And yeah, I get messages literally every day. Uh, from people asking me about Sylvain or saying that they love Sylvain or asking me to like record something for their friend. And um, it, it just blows my mind that, you know, you can, you can do something and reach so many people. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's mind blowing. And I'm doing it. I'm actually doing another autograph signing uh, this weekend for it. And I just got some really, really cool artwork for it. And it's cool to, for me, it's kind of cool to get to, you know, talk to these fans and, and see what it is that they liked about the character. And like, it's, it, that, that's very rewarding to be a part of, to be a part of a fan base, uh, game like that, that, that you have such passionate fans. Especially like the, the rest of the cast is just so talented and it's just. And they're just so cool too. Like they're like, like genuine friends that I've made from, from the, the cast members. Like we've, we've, a lot of us have become close and like, it's just, it's a fun group of people that I got to work with. And, um, and that also like really appreciate the fandom of it and, and the people that, that play the game and love the character so much. Yeah. Especially considering that they usually don't have rap parties for anything <laughs> like this, but the fact that you know, they did is just really nice. Yeah, you know, and yeah, that that's that's always really fun because you don't definitely you don't always get to go to the, do the rap party thing. But this was a this particular three houses, man. We recorded that for so long. Like I always tell people, half more than half. I'd say eighty percent of the stuff that I heard when I when when all the lines came out or you know when the clips came out of people playing the games. Like I'm like I have no memory recording that at all. Like no memory, zero memory of that. Uh, so it's kind of fun, like after you've worked on something for so long to kind of see all of the elements come together, you know, at a party. And it's like, oh, I worked on this and I worked on this. And it's like, oh, man, this is, this is so much bigger than me. You know, this is a this is an entire team of people coming together to make something really cool. Yeah, especially it's so weird looking back at that game and realizing a lot of people who weren't you know, really big names at the time of of release are now like some of the most recognizable people in the yeah. world. It's just so weird. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, like Joe Zija, you know, his, his career is blowing up and, you know, he did an incredible job and he's a, he's a, he's a really cool dude. Um, and yeah, just, man, so many people, every, everybody, everybody in that game that I've met is just like a sweetheart. And 
we got we did get to go to uh one convention before you know everything kind of closed down right before and i got to meet a lot of people that i hadn't met before and we did a, with some panels and stuff and it's just that that is fun you know that is fun getting to kind of come together with with the people that you worked on a project with that you didn't actually get to work with during the project but then you get to hang out afterwards it's so much fun and out of all the cast members who who would you say you know you had the most fun who who and who caught you off guard the most <laughs> that's impossible that's impossible to to answer um just because everybody's everybody's so cool um yeah that's that that, that it wouldn't be fair for me to 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 pinpoint out anybody uh because every, everybody is is so sweet and so nice and um you know hilarious a hilarious uh, uh crew of people and was that a pc enough answer for you <laughs> I love all my children equally. Yeah, Thank you very yeah, much. 100%, 100%. <laughs> I will say Joe and I did a podcast um, like, uh, geez, it's been a while now. Everything, you know, due to COVID, everything feels like it wasn't that long ago. But then it's like, oh, wait, that was a year ago. Um, but I got to hang out at his place and we did a podcast and that, that was really fun. He's a really cool dude and got to get to know him. And yeah. Uh, ben Lepley is another one of my favorite people. He's hilarious. He's he's also a comedian and um, really really good dude. He played uh, he played Dudu in in Fire Emblem. Hilarious hilarious dude. Yes, yeah, especially you mentioned um, yeah you mentioned Joe Z and he's um, Bumblebee now, so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he's killing it, man. He's I think he's done he's done a. Uh, a Lego series, uh, yeah, he's got to be Bumblebee. How crazy is that? <laughs> be a transformer. Come on, because I, I just remembered. Oh yeah, he was Bumblebee in the, in the War for Cybertron trilogy. That's pretty cool. Like, man, incredible. <laughs> like that's that's the that's the thing that like I pinch myself every week just getting to see specs and auditions of of projects coming out, and I'm like, wait, this like this is coming out, or like this recreation, like I get to read for this character, like no way. I'm I'm not I I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to like get cast as this because it's such a big you know it's such a a big role um and something that I respected so much as a kid and and something that was so uh what's the you know such a big part of my childhood and then to see these things come back around on these projects like man there's so many there's so many recreations coming out now so many spin spinoffs of of original ideas that i watched as a kid that i'm auditioning for on the weekly and it's insane to see like to see, even fathom like getting to be a part of a project that you know was was so influential as to you as a, as a child i think that's the most exciting thing about being in this in this industry because you don't know who you're affecting either you know you don't know like i don't know what kids were are, are playing injustice and and you know playing me as donatello or or playing Fire Emblem, or or you know watching this the Beat Buds on on Nick Jr. and listening and enjoying those that show and singing those songs, and it's like you don't know how many people you're you're reaching out to. No man, I I gotta tell you, like I remember back in you know 2018, which seems forever, it seems like forever ago, but it really isn't. Right. Um, I remember like when that trailer dropped for the TMNT characters and injustice like the the dlc for for that dropped yeah i lost my shit i lost Dude. my shit like i one I of like, my favorite things to do is go watch those reaction videos because there's 
a number of them, people that posted the reaction videos of when that came out and it's hilarious and amazing. And honestly, like that's, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think, to think about <laughs> Yeah, cause... how many, how many people, how many people that was, you know, that was, that was another thing that was so hard of a secret for me to keep because you know, that stuff is so under wraps. I signed my life away with NDAs and it's like, you know, this information and, and you know, uh, NetherRealm Studios is, you know, one of the most secretive groups, you know, about, about their games and stuff. And, and they try to do a good job of surprising their fans and stuff. And all, most people didn't see that coming with the TMNT coming out. And just the reaction was hilarious and amazing. Yeah. Because, you know, you see Enchantress and, and Black Manta and you're like, hey, uh, uh, that's pretty cool. And then you see that, you know, you see that yeah, side. That trench coat, that yeah. trench coat. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah. And the, yeah. The side comes and then, then you got Raphael. It's like, no, no, <laughs> no. So fun. They did, they did a great job on all those reveals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember when people got really pissed off, like the P it, it just goes to show like the people who hated the, the fact that Mortal Kombat, uh, Sub-Zero and Raiden and the, you know, the people who hated who hated those reveals were just losing their minds over the TMNT characters being yes. being in the game. And I'm just like, weren't you guys just saying how much of a waste it is to not have any DC characters? But yeah, but shut up. It's TMNT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> the fans, man. The fans, they can be they can be ruthless sometimes. Yeah, because I remember people just weren't happy with Sub-Zero and, and um, Raiden that when that trailer dropped no one saw that coming okay i don't care how i don't care about supposed leaks nobody saw that coming i refuse to believe anybody <laughs> thought the the tmnt characters were going to be no, it was yeah it was it was definitely uh it was definitely a shock for uh you know yeah, everybody. I don't. I, I mean, I, honestly, I never, I never played the game uh, before. Actually, that's not true. I did play Injustice. I played the first one, um, but like, I'm. I wouldn't say that I'm super integrated with video game culture and stuff. Um, so I didn't know, you know, who was expected. I all I remember is reading is like Spawn. Is it going to be Spawn? Is it going to be Spawn? Can we release Spawn? When Spawn going to be released? Spawn is it going to be Spawn? Like that's that's all anybody talked about for for that game. Uh, thinking that that was going to be released. And that's what I remember reading in the forums. Cause sometimes you do get curious, you know, when you know that you're going to be a part of something and you, especially for that DLC drop, because of the way that they systematically drop those new characters coming out. It's like, you do read into the conjecture. It's like, who, who do they think it's going to be? And yeah, nobody saw TMNT coming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. Everyone was like, spawn. Is it going to be spawn? Yeah. Just wait a year. Wait a year before yeah, right. Todd McFarlane. He, he wound up coming okay. out for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Was that for Mortal Kombat that he came yeah, out on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to check that out. Those games are great. Like Injustice, uh, Injustice 2, man. Like, you know, I did a little bit of narcissism playing when, when it came out. And just that game's just fun. Like, they did a great job with with all of the, you know, their their whatever, their version of fatalities for it. And, it's just a, and, and every, and the voice acting, I mean, talk about, talk about a star studded cast, like getting, like, I was in, I was in nothing before that, man. Like I hadn't, I had like a couple games under my belt. Some of them I wasn't even on IMDb for. 
And then I got to be with, you know, like, geez, I mean, Injustice 2 had a crazy, crazy um, cast list, you know. It was all, like, all grade A talent, the legends of, of VO and, and on camera, like Alan Tudyk, um, you know. Was was in there as was he Green Lantern? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Green Lantern. Uh, gr- no, Green Arrow. Sorry. <laughs> green, yeah, excuse me. You know, and uh, you know Tara Strong and um, Kevin Conroy, the man. Yeah, Ke- yeah. Come on, what am I talking about? Of course, the Batman. <laughs> like I got to act with the Batman, dude. Like, I mean, virtually, not not really. We recorded <laughs> different times, but yeah, it's insane. Robert England is a scarecrow. Come on. <laughs> oh, dude, he killed it. He killed it. So good. Fred Tatashore is vain. Like, come on. <laughs> dude. Um yeah. That was uh, you know, you get Matt, uh Matt Mercer, uh one of the first um one of the first workshops I ever did when I before I even lived in Los Angeles was um it was it was Mick Winger uh, who is Kung Fu Panda. He, he does Kung Fu Panda. He's also Iron Man, Tony Stark in a lot of the Marvel animated shows. I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm I've, not had, sure. I've had him on the show. He's he he does a better Jack Black than Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's incredible. And he's, he's a great friend and, and one of my VO mentors, but I, I came out to LA to do a workshop and it was just like a weekend animation workshop. And it was Matt Mercer, Eric Bauza and Kari Walgren were the guests people that I got to go into be in a booth with. And I had heard of Eric um, because of Ren and Stimpy and stuff. But the, the, the crazy thing about it was um, he was the nicest guy ever, by the way, <clears throat> I, uh, we were reading Aunt Looney Tunes copy and this was before Eric was Bugs Bunny, but I was literally in the booth with Eric opposite Eric and he was reading some other character and I had to do the voice of Bugs. And I remember <laughs> And I mean, and Eric wasn't, it wasn't as much pressure because Eric wasn't Bugs Bunny at this point. But, um, I remember like going in the bathroom, like being nervous. Okay. I'm like, how does Bugs sound? I'm like, and eh, what's up? Well, uh, what, what's up, Doc? And I like kept like trying to do the voice and like, no, that's not it. That's not how he sounds. And just being so stressed and just like full circle. Now I was practicing in the booth with Bugs Bunny and while I was doing the voice of Bugs Bunny, that's some crazy full circle stuff right there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I. He, it's so surreal to think that he's doing Bugs Bunny and, and Daffy Duck and all the Looney Tunes characters now, and it's just. Man, he's the nicest guy. Um, <laughs> and and he, and he's and he's such a talent. Um, and it makes total sense, you know. No, but it, it's like the fact that you held your own with someone as tell with a legend like like him well i don't know if i held my own i did a voice i'm not gonna say i held my own i i i was i was very nervous um and honestly i was so green i had only done you know local stuff in nebraska i was doing like local radio ads and stuff so that was that was a whole nother level for me um Luckily, like I said, luckily Eric wasn't Bugs Bunny yet because that would have been a whole nother uh, fear factor there of of trying to do the voice of Bugs with Bugs. You know, that's crazy. But even then... I'm sure my Bugs Bunny was horrible though. I I, I actually, I think it is on one of my old computers somewhere because Mick sent us all the audio from that workshop. It'd be interesting to go back and hear how god-awful it was. (laughs) 
God, sounds like. So, uh, uh, let me guess. It sounds like what people think a Bugs Bunny sounds like. Just like the the basic I, impression that people. I think don't know, man. Like. I, I don't. I don't think I had ever done like a Bugs Bunny at that point. Yeah, what? Yeah, so uh, you know, I I didn't do that. The nasally thing, Doc. I was, I was kind of like, I think I was like up here with with it or doing something weird. Like, who knows, man? It's cringy to even think about. <laughs> uh, no, but but it's it's so, it is just so hilarious. Just going back sometimes and re-listening to to stuff you you did like years ago and just oh being thankful oh man for how, for how far you've come <laughs> somebody had told me once that i was that that the new types of voiceover demos were on camera demos where you're talking into a microphone and they and and showing yourself doing all the different voices which is actually now now that tiktok is out is that is becoming more of a thing but not as a demo but i remember i i used to send i sent agents this was like back in 2010 i sent agents a demo of me on camera doing voices into a microphone and they weren't good by the way they weren't good uh i uh, i don't know what i was thinking but i i found that video recently and i wanted to delete it from all existence because it was so painful to watch but it's also good to see how far you come too you know that's kind of stupid to to get uh, voiceover people to do something on camera that's yeah, it doesn't really make sense because yeah. that's part of the the mat i mean look that that being said like i do tiktoks that have done very well of me doing impressions because people do like to see you doing the impression but as far as like a demo the whole point of a demo is to you know that's the illusion of you being different people and when you when you're kind of when if you're trying to get an agent to to uh, add you to their roster, you kind of want to be a faceless entity that can become anything. And I think there's something psychologically, uh, you know, you can't help but like judge a book by its cover when you see somebody doing a voice. So it's best in those, in those cases to be just audio, just so they can imagine what that character would sound like and, and hear your range versus see you and be distracted by why you look that way <laughs> when you're doing that voice. Can I just say, like, one of the things that really freaks me out personally is I don't like seeing voice actors perform their characters, you know, Interesting. In, in, in person. Cause Interesting. It's when so I'm trying weird. to that's the best way for me, for whatever reason, when I'm like, when I'm trying to get a voice down, if I'm trying to voice match or or do an impression of something, if I can see them physically do it, like, like. For example, like Seth MacFarlane, when you watch him do Peter Griffin, he, he he speaks in the side of his mouth like this. And like, I didn't know that until I, I saw him do the impression. And that kind of aids in like, how do I move my mouth, you know, to, to create a similar instrument to how he's doing that. So, but I do know what you mean. It, it kind of takes the magic away from it in a way, right? I mean, not all the times, but sometimes it just it just seems it's very weird, especially like when someone's doing a panel and then they start breaking out into character. It's just, yeah, I don't like that. It's, yeah, you don't like it, huh? Interesting, interesting. <laughs> hey, mean, everyone has their preferences, you know? No, I mean, it's not, it's not weird, but I mean, it's not like, you know, it doesn't ruin the illusion for me, but it's just like, you know, for a specific example, I just don't like seeing... Uh, like for a specific example is uh, Bart Simpson. I don't like seeing 
footage Nancy of, Cartwright. of not Nancy Cartwright doing Bart yeah. Simpson. It just yeah. it is so weird because that is a voice I grew up watching. Right. That is a voice right. I, I have trouble like separating. <laughs> right. One hundred percent. I feel you, man. I do feel you. I feel you completely. Yeah, it just it just seems weird seeing like Bart Simpson's voice come out of a you know, a woman. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, uh, she's so good. Oh my gosh. I was just watching, I was just watching, uh, uh, The Birdcage. Have you seen The Birdcage? It's a Robin Williams film. Yeah, I had never yeah. seen it before. Uh, but Nathan, Hank, Nathan Lane's debut. Yep. Way, so. Yep. And, 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 but Hank, Hank Azaria is in it as their housekeeper. And he's so, that, talk about a talent, man. He he's he's like Mo and and uh, Chief Wiggum and well I, like a quarter of the of the voices on The Simpsons. You know who I'm talking about, yes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but yeah. Hank doesn't bother me because I know what he looks like from his live action work. So ah, I see, I see, I see. It's, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's funny, man. I I feel you though. I know what you mean. It's just like it just doesn't. Your brain your brain is seeing or your eyes are seeing something that your brain doesn't want to accept. It's like no, that's not, that's not what Bart Simpson looks like. You know, yeah, it's, it's same that's thing what's with so magical, like, but I think that's what people are so fascinated about. Like, like it, the people that aren't necessarily in the, in the industry and like sees that there, it's almost like a superpower. I think to some people to see your, you know, your voice just change into a completely different entity. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, there are cases where, you know, Gray Delisle, I love seeing Gray do, do her thing mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. stand up or, or in panels because she's just that good and she can just break into a character like just on the spot. And it's just so amazing. And she just does it in a really quick way. That's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So you just transformed into someone for a moment. That's crazy. Yeah. Or if it's like someone I really I grew up watching and I just adore to no end, like say David Kay as Megatron, like, you know, mm. him doing Megatron. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I just fanboying. Like oh, for sure. <laughs> Man, that, that, that stuff is so cool. I'm trying to think of like, you know, one of the, one, one of the ones for me was like, there's, there's a really great, um, well, there's a really great Simpsons panel. Um, when they did inside the actor's studio, which is an older interview, but that's incredible to watch, like watching Dan and Hank and all those people, you know, become the characters and they know those characters so well that they can just riff as those characters. Um, or, or, or even like some interviews with like Billy West, you know, doing his, you know, he was Doug funny and he was the red M and M and, you know, he was, he's everybody. Um, and watching him go into those voices and just riff and going back and forth just it's so cool man it's so it's so motivating and inspiring for me to watch those legends like do their thing yeah i mean i guess it just depends on the person sometimes because if it's someone who can just go back and forth like crazy like it's nothing that i'm in awe of it but if it's like someone who someone like a bart simpson who i who's a voice that i've just only seen in cartoon form that I have trouble like processing 100%. when I see it. I feel you. I feel when, you. When I see it like performed live, I'm just like. Oh, yeah. I got to go to a, a. I got to go to a Simpsons table read uh, right before pandemic, uh, so I got to sit in at a Simpsons table read, and it was the most surreal experience. Um, oh, who was there? <laughs> the only people that weren't there 
or Hank and um, oh man, um, why, why why is this name escaping me? Oh, Harry Harry Shearer wasn't there either, but everyone else was there. Um, and it was bizarre. And one of those experiences that I was like, man, this is like, like, I, I felt so fortunate, I guess, to be in, in like, in this area now living in Los Angeles. I mean, I'm from like, I'm from middle of nowhere, Nebraska, you know, and to get to sit in the room because one of my buddies, friends was a writer on the show, just to get to be a fly on the wall in this room that your childhood <laughs> spawns from you know what i mean watching these these heroes of yours just do their thing like it's like just a tuesday you know they're just uh, they do this every week blah 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 whatever and but to see that like see the the beginning stages of a show like the simpsons just being created it's like oh there's another day in the week of the simpsons but it was it was magical man yeah i I mean i remember i don't know if you're familiar with chris edgerly but um you know he does additional voices on the simpsons and Right. People, people always ask him, you know, how cool is it that you get to sit on, you know, to listen to table reads? And he's like, yeah, mm. it's cool the first, you know, couple times, but you know, after a while, it just becomes one hundred percent the norm. You know, one hundred percent. Yeah, of course, it just becomes it becomes routine. You know, just like everything. But still, so that that was the least routine thing I've ever seen. You know, that was that was a mind blow for sure. Especially like script script reads in general, because those are becoming sadly a rarity nowadays. You know, so yeah. And and the other interesting thing is, I actually have the script on my coffee table. What did I do with it? I used to have it on my coffee table right here in front of me. Um, but to see how much the script changed from you know whatever draft that was on, which I think was like like close to final, and then seeing what what made it to TV. You know, the jokes changed and. The lines changed, and it's it's fun. Which episode was it? Um, it, I believe it was the one where they go back to uh, like ancient. What was it? It was about art, where they went back to. Um, what was it? Was it Van Gogh or something? I can't remember now. It was like a history piece one. Oh, okay. I was I was thinking of another episode. I can't remember now. In fact, because I, I had the script right in front of me, and I don't know where it is right now, so I'll have to I'll have to look. No, that's but that's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, we're kind of running <laughs> low on time here. Hey, man, this has been fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, before we get going, um, is there anywhere people can find you online? Yeah, for sure. Um, you can find me on on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, TikTok, and it's just my name, Joe Brogie, J O E B R O G I E, or JoeBrogie.com. Just Google me. I'm 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 on there doing the thing, doing the social media stuff. You know. So, yeah, this has been fun, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we got to get you back on when when that when you know more stuff drops because this has been absolutely, like, absolutely in, in time, man. We got some we got some pretty cool video game stuff coming out uh, in the next few months. Hopefully, that I'll, I'm really excited to talk about. But until then, <laughs> all right, take care. All right, have a good one.